Hi everyone, it's Pat here. I wanted to append a short statement before this new episode of Podventure Time to explain and apologize for our long absence. It was unannounced, it was unexpected, and it's not good practice for a podcast not to have an episode for its dozens of listeners every week, and for that I am truly sorry. None of this is Ben's fault. He's been great and accommodating, and he's done everything that he needed to do to make these episodes, but unfortunately... I, as the editor and producer, have fallen down on the job a bit, and as an explanation, not an excuse, I offer that I have just been very depressed lately. One of the worst things that depression does to me is that it robs me of any intrinsic motivation that I might otherwise have had. It makes it difficult or impossible to do much of anything, even or perhaps especially things that I love, like recording Podventure Time with Ben and editing it and producing it and getting it ready for all of you. It's been a rough couple of months. I'm not even sure how long it's been since we put out an episode. You'll get some sense of the timeline when you hear the beginning of this episode where we talk about Santa Claus, he of the long-since-past holiday season. Uh, Since then, I just haven't been up for it. And I wish that I had been, and I wish that I didn't have to apologize, but here I am doing so. And I want to reiterate my thanks for sticking with us, for still waiting for an episode of a podcast that you might have thought was gone forever. But we're back. We're here. We're here to stay. We have every intention and expectation of making this a regular weekly podcast again for the foreseeable future. We are so excited and lucky to be able to make this show for you. I'm so excited and lucky to be able to produce it, to edit it, to make it sound at least decent for your potholes. And I am very glad to be feeling better, to be back on the horse And I just wanted to offer you this short explanation, offer you my sincere thanks, um, encourage you to keep listening, to share the show with your friends now that you can have some assurance that uh, we'll actually be putting out episodes again. Um, It means so much to me that anyone would still be listening after uh, I spent this time down in the dumps not fulfilling my role on the show and those of you who haven't been driven off by our lack of content, um, we're, we're just so grateful for you. And we are really looking forward to making the show great and better and wonderful going forward. We're looking forward to making the show a regular thing again. And without further ado, here it is, <laughs> recorded in December, brought to you in February, this episode of Adventure Time. Thanks, everybody. Like, wow, like, hello, what? Whatever it is, I'm liking it. So, Ben, I uh, was looking at social media, and it told me that your kids have recently uh, had a talk with Santa. Uh, yes. They're adorable. I need to say that first off. Thank you. That's all my wife's doing. Uh, they are, they have, they have met the big man himself. 
That's the first time, actually. How'd it go? Fine. My son, who's five, uh, took it like a champ. He thought it was great. He told Santa what he wanted for Christmas, and what he wanted was a star. And that is just vague enough to kind of freak me out that I'm going to get this wrong. <laughs> like, does he want Brad Pitt to show up? Right. Or, or does he want like a plushie? Like, I could see myself being like, look, I've named a star after you. Like one of those crazy, like, yeah. uh, infomercial things. And he just look at me like, what? Yeah. I wanted a balloon. Like, are you kidding me? He's like, dad, I'm going to live on Mars, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Give me a break. But, uh, and the little one, my daughter, she's about one and a half. She, she did not enjoy, she liked the idea of going to see Santa, <laughs> but confronted with the reality of it, she was less enthused. Yeah. When Santa's a real person, he, uh, he can be pretty, pretty scary, which actually brings me to what I wanted to bring up. Do you remember, and I, I'm curious whether this was a thing that ever happened in other people's neighborhoods, that there was like a Windsorcrest Santa Claus party every year that we went to? Oh, yeah. I think my parents hosted it once or twice. Oh, man. that That's wild. Other neighborhoods, like subdivisions, they don't all have Santa and, by the way, the Easter Bunny, who's just called the Windsorcrest Santa and the Windsorcrest Easter Bunny. So, I don't know. Uh, it hasn't been anything I've experienced in any of the other places I've lived, but, like, as a parent... It's friggin' genius is what it is. Like, yeah, I don't like no lines, no waiting, like in my neighborhood, Santa, like that sounds like sign me up for that. Yeah. And we all got a present, I think, which I think it's my understanding yeah. now that our parents bought and gave to Santa. But what? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Earmuffs. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that, I, I do not. I had not remembered that until just now, but yeah, I know that we did host, uh, my parents hosted that party at least once, maybe twice, I, I don't, but I have, I definitely have photos with Santa, like, in my house, and that yes. is, that's wild. There are some that are in those, uh, like, OG Wintercrest houses where the basements are, like, super 1970s, mm -hmm. and I know I've seen some pictures of me, you know, in the 1980s with some, you know, orange shag and stuff like that around. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good idea. I've never experienced it again. It is kind of nuts though. Like it is like the amount of planning that's required to do that. Like that part, I would not want to be a part of. I would just want to. Yeah, no. I would kidding. want to. Reap, I just want the service. I want to reap the benefits of the service. Yes, thank. Yes, right. please. And do you remember the man dressed up as the Easter Bunny who used to come to your house? I mean, no, but like I guess. I know I have photos, like, same same kind of deal. Like, I've seen photos of me with an Easter bunny, like, an Easter bunny, but I didn't, I don't remember that it was, like, a door-to-door -door service. Man, like... Yeah, I remember him coming, and it wasn't, like, a big, uh, like, stuffed head, uh, mascot uh -huh. head Easter bunny either. He just had, like, like he, he basically had the Ralphie suit. Yeah, it was, like, face paint, right? Yeah, it was. He was dressed like Ralphie, except I think it was white, and then he wore face paint over his push broom mustache. <laughs> yes. Oh, I've just remembered that guy. Oh man, like I can see him crystal clear in my mind now. What a gig. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> like, like he was just like, shy of like having like a like a big cigar hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> like I know. Was... Can you imagine having that job though? Like I need a bottle of something to get me through that day. Oh, but he was uh yeah, that guy is it's 
for those who those who didn't grow up in our neighborhood, um, like imagine like central casting um, is trying to find the perfect like Chicago cop, but then like put but then like put that guy in a in like a white bunny suit and some face paint, like that's the guy, that's who it was. Um, and I don't know who to, I'll have to ask. I, I'm sure my mother who, who never listens to this show, uh, I will have to ask her about that. She always talks about listening to the yeah. show, but then I think she's in on episode like two. Oh, well that's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I know my mom listens, so I will uh, do my best to get some photos from her of the <laughs> traveling neighborhood Easter bunny. <laughs> Uh, and we'll we'll post those somewhere if it's uh, if we get our hands on those again. Um, amazing if it was organized and like that's just like a service of the neighborhood. Super weird if it's just yeah. super weird if it's just a guy who like was just like doing. I, it. So I think it was I think it was that family of real good swimmers who lived on Spring Street whose name I can't remember. Um, I think it was their dad, but I mean, who's in like the you know, neighborhood association meeting complaining about other people's door colors. And then they're like, all right, does anybody want to put on some grease paint and walk around and be the Easter bunny for every house in the neighborhood? And who raises their hands like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Wait, uh, it was Gene? Uh, That's who it was? Uh, no, Con- no, not Gene Conrad. No. <laughs> oh, no, it was. I think they went to Assumption, these kids. Oh, OK. Never mind then. Got it. Uh, fine. It's gonna bug me. So, but no one else, no one else who's listening right now needs to think about this. So maybe we should press on. Yeah. If you had uh, neighborhood Santa or Easter Bunny, let us know. Or if you didn't and you think it's as wild as I do right now, also let us know about that. But uh, yeah, we should um, we should go ahead and talk about Adventure Time. This being our podcast where I try to convince you to be a friend, a, a friend. You're already my friend, Ben. I try to convince you to be a fan of Adventure Time. We watched two episodes this week, each from season three, and the first one's called Apple Thief. Yeah. I consider myself a friend of Adventure Time at this point. I'm a friend of the show. Oh, Um, yeah. They just don't know it. Uh, Right. Because none of them listen. But um, the Apple Thief, yeah, let's talk about it. So this is um, coming off of two really stellar episodes that we talked about last episode uh, of Podventure Time. Um, we're jumping in to an, a tree trunks episode, tree trunks being the tiny sexually charged elephant creature that lives in the land of Ooh. Yeah. Were you glad to see tree trunks again? Tree trunks weirds the heck out of me, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about tree trunks at all. Um, I mean, it was like, okay, I know what the deal is. I, she feels familiar. That's for sure uh-huh. at this point, but still just, it's just weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a little uncomfortable sometimes. Do you get ever? Do you ever? Have you gotten over like sexy grandma tree trunks, or is it still weird? Yeah, I mostly just think tree trunks is is really funny. All right, fine. Well, anyway, tree trunks uh, is famous for making apple pies, uh, and this whole episode sort of centers around that. The way we get into it is a uh, is a sort of a, an opening in the treehouse, and Jake is making breakfast or lunch for for Finn. It's super elaborate. He's making like. What looks to be like a really nice ramen meal for them both. Yeah, I think it's uh, Korean food because you said he learned okay. it from Lady Rainicorn, and it looks sure. like okay. one of those, uh, yeah, the like Korean kind of rice bowls. Okay, it could got be ramen. it. Yeah, well, uh, 
He's a cartoon. It's tough to tell. But the um, it, he was clearly putting a lot of effort into it and um, a lot of care and love. And Finn just shows up like typical him, basically, uh, just like, this smells weird. I'm not eating it, which... Yep. Which, as a dad, kind of hit me right in the, right in the feels. <laughs> you hear plenty of that. Uh, it hasn't gotten to that level, but it's like that. Just that sort of like super picky eating when like you just made a thing. That is yeah. that that gets you that gets you blood boiling. Yeah, uh, but I can anyway. Imagine. But Jake is like, but I but I spent so much time making it, and then Finn just like cuts him off and is like, you know what we should do? We should go to Tree Trunks and have apple pies. And then, sort of as like a uh, persuasion technique, just shout, start shouting apple pies like a like a chant at a rally, like apple right. pie. Uh, and it kind of works. Like <laughs> Jake raises his hands and he's kind of into it. And then uh, before he can before he can contradict it, Finn just grabs him and yanks him off to to see tree trunks. Yep. And so they head over to see tree trunks and get some apple pie, but they can't because. Something has happened to tree trunks. They open her door and like the place has been ransacked, it looks like. Uh, and tree trunks is lying in a heap on the floor and they rush to her aid. And she wakes up sort of out of a stupor or sort of out of after being unconscious and just sort of lunges at Jake, screaming something about stealing her apples. Yeah. So this is how we find tree trunks, which is not a standard way to find tree trunks. Um, she's but very upset. She's very upset. She does come to her senses and kind of realizes that she was in a bit of a haze there. Um, does talk and finally realizes, okay, it's Finn and Jake and they're here to help. So then she explains the problem. She explains what has happened, that someone or something has stolen all of the apples out of her apple orchard, out of her apple trees. And but it's a very mysterious kind of crime. Right. Because there are... Uh, there's a lot of clues that they start picking up immediately, and that's how the the, the tone of this episode quickly turns into a uh, hard-boiled detective kind of feel, or like a just like a Dick Tracy crime solving. Yeah, there's a mystery to be solved, and Finn and Jake are on the case, and I really enjoyed that uh, Tree Trunks came along with them on this quest. Yeah, uh, she well, she's personally invested in it. She needed to find out the find the ne'er do wells who. Who stole her apples? Yeah, ne'er do wells really get a bad rap in this episode. Oh, I know. Uh, there's a lot of. Uh, that's the thing I wanted to talk about is sort of um, as we go through it. There, there's a lot of discuss, a lot of uh, one-off jokes and one-off one-liners, and different attitudes toward crime in this whole yeah. episode that like are Jake's uh, pretty criminal funny. Past that gets suddenly revealed. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Tree Trunks, though, lays out the facts as she knows them. Um, I'm actually, not, and I'm not even re remembering why she's unconscious when they arrive. But She may have some, just been, you know, too upset. Maybe. Um, but she says basically that she came outside and like all of her apples were gone. And Finn and Jake immediately start looking for clues, detective style. Because without apples, they will get no apple pie. Right. And that is a problem. The first clues they find are that there's no footprints on the ground beneath the apple trees. So that is odd, of course. Um, the second clue is maybe a red herring a bit in, <laughs> in that Jake discovers that there are no ghost poops lying about. So it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been ghosts, I suppose. Um, the next thing they find, though, is Raggedy Princess, who is a character I don't know that we've met before. 
We may have briefly, but yeah, she has not been a, a focal point of an episode. She is essentially a very tattered ragdoll um, with like a piece of glass in her head. Um, yeah. But, you know, she is a ragged... She, her name is Raggedy Princess, and presumably she presides over some sort of raggedy kingdom somewhere. Um, yeah, she seems to lead a, lead a pretty sad life, though. Yeah, some she said some group of ruffians or ne'er-do-wills pushed her off a fence and into into a pit well, not a pit yeah, just like I a think little they describe it as a ditch just a ditch it, it really looks is. a lot more like a grave to me <laughs> it, it's it's like a 2 foot in diameter and 1 foot deep hole is basically what it is um just yes. big enough to be a grave for Raggedy princess like if Finn and Jake hadn't come <laughs> along i'm not sure what would have happened to her and by the way they don't get her out of the hole yeah they right they just walk away because Tree Trunks immediately seizes on Raggedy Princess telling them that some ne'er-do-wells threw her in the hole. And then it's like, well, the ne'er-do-wells must have taken my apple, so let's go. Off we go to get the ne'er-do-wells. And I don't know if Raggedy Princess was just like, hey, guys, can I get out? But uh, they, they seem to have no care for her. Yeah. Uh, and Jake also, I think maybe maybe this is why Finn isn't as helpful. Uh, Jake reveals at that moment when she mentions ne'er-do-wells that uh, Jake says, oh, I know a place where we can find some ne'er-do-wells because I used to hang out at this bar back when I used to, like, steal old ladies' purses. Yeah. And then Finn just gives, like, a, uh, kind of kind of face to him. And yeah, then, I think he does, like, the, the sort of, like, blink, 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 blink with uh, sound effects. Yeah. Um, and Jake just sort of says, like, yeah, I stopped. I didn't know it was wrong. I didn't know it was wrong. <laughs> right. Which is one of the first, these are, this is one of those moments where I think throughout this episode, like, um, attitudes toward crime are, are sort of, uh, different attitudes towards crime are revealed throughout this episode. Yeah. And so one of them being like sort of Jake's position of like, if you don't, if no one ever told you it was wrong, then you can't possibly be like held accountable for it, which holds, right. it holds a certain logic to it, I suppose. Um, you can't be held responsible for things that you simply were ignorant of. Although, yeah. although the question of like, what is one's own responsibility to sort of discover the own, discover the, uh, social mores and, uh, and rules that you live in on, you know, of your, of your own volition. Um, there right. is a little bit of, a little bit of onus on you. I don't think that any prosecutors are accepting that argument, as as I may have learned in law school. I don't know. I don't know any criminal law, but uh, I'm pretty sure that ignorance of the law is no defense. But Jake may be getting at his sort of lack of culpability in his past crimes when he didn't know that they were wrong. Right. Um, I know for certain that uh, I still have to pay my uh, real estate taxes, even if they never get mailed to me, like they never do. Um <laughs> Couldn't the mayor just walk them down in your idyllic little suburb? Uh, no, um, I don't think I don't think we have a mayor. Do we have a mayor? I don't even know. I think we have like a village set of like set of village elders or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the uh, I was more referring to Cook County taxes, which are definitely mailed out uh, yes. from the central bureaucracy. Um, the but yeah, I think that it's a funny, like it's, it definitely flies in the face of like, I think Finn's idea of right and wrong, but, uh, yeah. And it, it flies in the face of what you would have guessed Jake's idea was. Uh, yeah. I mean like Jake, I, 
he's a little more flexible. He's a little more flexible. He's a little more chaotic than uh, he's a little more. He's more chaotic good than his lawful good. I would say if we're going to use sure D and D terminology. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I've taken a uh, a quiz or two online to find out my alignment, and it's always chaotic good, or as I call it, anarchist with a heart of gold. Yeah, that's about right. Um, so uh, it's like Han Solo. That's chaotic good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's me and Han. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that's that's the one I always kind of picture. Um, where were we? Han Solo. No, Jake, that's where we were. So I think that... Yeah, I don't think we've let, managed to leave the, the orchard yet. <laughs> <laughs> Pick it up, boys. Um, so they get this... They, Jake just casually drops this little reveal. It, two things. We already talked about one thing that that brought to mind. The other thing that brought to mind was like there was clearly a time, although that it's been established that like Jake and Finn grew up together as kids... That there was clearly a time where like Jake was off on his own doing something, um, while Finn was not with him. So that also yeah, alluded. Jake does appear to kind of have led a a past life. Yeah. Um. Anyway, through his knowledge of where near duels hang out, they head to the Candy Kingdom, where there is a bar that is um primarily primarily. Visited by ruffians and ne'er-to-wells, as it seems. Right. Um, they try to blend in as best they can. Uh, and uh, with tree trunks, that is uh, difficult because tree trunks is uh, pretty oblivious. They step up to the barkeep and, and they kind of go like, all right, let's play it cool. And uh, tree trunks idea <laughs> of playing it cool is just, where are my apples? Right. <laughs> um then they go potty. They go in order to sort of recollect themselves and come back for a second try. They go to the restroom, cover themselves with dirt and feces, I guess. Uh, just, yeah, just to, toilet paper. Just to look <laughs> dirty and rough, I guess. And they come back and, and proceed uh, in a more casual manner to try to elicit the location or a tip on the location of some apples. And the bar. Yeah. So just uh, just two things I want to bring up about the bar. First, when they are um, dirtying themselves up, uh, when they're walking out of the bathroom, Tree Trunk says, "I look just like an army brat." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which that's not what that means. So it's hilarious. Uh, yep. And also, did you notice while they were sort of panning around the bar and showing the ne'er do wells uh, that there was a guy sitting? Um, at the bar, just jamming a spoon into his hand. It looked like it was like a send up of the the, the knife game, you know, that Bishop plays in Aliens. Sure, yeah. Um, but uh, he's just like slowly and repeatedly jamming the spoon into his hand, which I thought was hilarious. I think as a, uh, I think that's probably would be an equivalent for like a, a candy person, right? Uh, like a, a spoon represents sort of a, a weapon in that in their lives. Yes. Um, yeah, love it. Uh, I did not notice that, but the barkeep is is quite. Once they uh, once they kind of play it cool, he does seem to have some information about apples, and he takes After them out back behind the. Finn pours his drink on the bar and then slams his glass on the ground to convince the barkeep <laughs> that they're ne'er do wells themselves. <laughs> yes, he takes them out back. Says like, I think I know where I might find you know somebody who has some apples. He takes them out back where there is a uh, a two person gang, sort of a, a big guy and a little guy hanging out in the alley behind the bar. The barkeep says, hey, these guys are asking about your apples. Some hoodlums. Yeah, some hoodlums. And they uh, 
They say, sure, we'll tell you about our apples. Grab them. It's a setup. They get grabbed. And they uh, the hoodlums assume that the that our boys and uh, tree trunks are part of some other rival gang asking around about these apples. And so they basically give them a warning that says, you and your, your boss, Dr. J, needs to stop asking about these apples. Yeah, they kind of rough them up, and then they, they head out. Yeah, so the guy punches Finn in the face, uh, and the rest of them get a bit a bit roughed up as well. But they are left with basically that as a warning. Um, but they are undeterred. Uh, I think even Tree Trunks at one point says, like, you know, Finn, this is starting to get dangerous. And I'll understand if you don't want to continue, but I have to see this through. Right. Like some sort of like uh, moral imperative that she has to find these apples. Right. Also, that's no way to get Finn to uh, leave your quest is to tell him that it's getting dangerous. Right. Yeah. Uh, the honor factor only escalated for him at that point. The right. The crew then uses the only clue they have to go on at that point, which is Finn's punch in the face. He's got a bruise in the shape of a ring that whoever punched him was wearing. And, uh, and Jake has a clue to, uh, Jake, Jake again taps into his past to understand it. He says, you know, I think I've seen a building with that design on it back from when I was like hawking bikes or something. And again, yeah, hawking stolen bikes. Yeah. Hawking stolen bikes. And uh, Finn just pauses again. is like, what man? And just again, glances it off with like, Hey, I didn't know it was wrong. It's fine. <laughs> and they just move on. I didn't. He kind of has. He, he kind of shrugs and he's got a smile on his face. He's like, I didn't know it was wrong. Yeah, like he knows that this is a an excuse that can't be can't can't simply simply cannot be uh, talked around. Um, yeah, but they do move. They do move past it. They get to this building where there are like as a thug hangout. It has the exact same symbol over it as the uh, as the the mark on Finn's face. They go. There's a classic password at the door with the little eye slit i love the twist on that that it takes though jake fakes his way in by using his uh stretchable body powers to stretch his finger into looking like it has a ring on it and they open the door and uh the bodyguard is a worm like a gummy worm and but he's like upside down and uh is that the twist you're talking about Yes, I love it. Like sometimes worms or candy canes look like that, and so I don't know when they when they opened the door and revealed the up upside down face. It was just such like it just messed with my expectations so much that I thought it was really funny because you expect to see the mouth below the eyes. They open the door and it's just an upside down face, which was great. Yeah, um, they get in and the 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 gummy worm is trusting and a bit dumb and says oh yeah you're here about the apples i'll go show them to you and they take him downstairs and they show he shows them a crate of diamonds and they said they're like they're all confused and the gummy worm says well don't you mean diamonds like that's what us ne'er-do-wells mean when we say when we say apples like you call money bread and he had a bunch of other silly examples that i couldn't quite follow um but basically just saying uh, you know, this is just code for diamonds. But at that point, the the his gang comes back. They see them, tells them to tie them up because the gang's like, hey, they're not part of our gang. And say, we're going to feed you to the pig. And they go and find some pig that they have there who can talk. And the pig's just like, 
sorry guys, they make me do this. And uh, yeah, he's really apologetic. Yeah, it's kind of it reminded me of like the Flintstones, like having all like the different animals and like dinosaurs that like sort of yeah. operate as machinery in their homes, where they always just go like, "It's all living." <laughs> <laughs> the classic like the garbage disposal monster that lives underneath their sink and things like that um yes but the pig is just like resigned to his fate to eat them but they are saved by the real dr j showing up out of the blue and starting a brawl uh, and during the commotion our our gang escapes yeah they take off they get out pretty much scot-free they do they head back to tree trunks and they're safe, but they don't. They don't seem to be any closer to knowing the uh, the answer the to the to the puzzle of where the the apples went. Yeah, it seems they just kind of had to give up on the quest because they were getting roughed up by so many ne'er do wells. They just decided to go back to Tree Trunks' house and and kind of regroup. Yeah, and Tree Trunks is sort of beside herself. She is so upset at the idea of never having any apple pies to make anymore. But they they did bring the pig with them from the from the the hideout because I think they felt bad for it, that he was trapped there forced to eat people. Um, right. And the pig says the pig is uh, he's, he breaks the case wide open because says, you know, I can, if you're talking about real apples, like I can hear apples in this house, which is a crazy thing to say. Like I can hear apples, but it's sort of, I think meant to be like pigs, pigs eat a lot of apples. And so they have like some sort of extra sensory connection with apples yeah it reminded me of their uh their ability to dig up truffles right like he can smell truffles and hear apples um <laughs> so he says i can hear apples in this house they're in that closet right there and tree trunk says well that can't be and true can because taste your fear <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> uh tree trunk says that's <laughs> that's impossible because uh only i know the way to open this closet and she's got some sort of weird elaborate like inside lock that only her like trunk can reach i think she uses her tail like she seems to have a prehensile tail that's right that's what she uses but either way it was one of those like uh it sort of alludes to like a like another weird creepy element of tree trunks like it has some weird closet that's like only openable in one way like she's got it like sort of like a panic room but and did you uh did you notice the poster hanging up in there no, I didn't. What was it? It's like a, it's like the torso of what looks like a human man, I think, uh, in a speedo, oh, and there's like a sword next to him. <laughs> so she's got like a, she's got like a shrine to Finn in there, basically, some sort of sexual obsession, something like that. Okay, great. Yeah, I think it's it's more of like a, uh, not a shrine to Finn, as sort of just like a pinup is what it looks like. Like it's a, it's a leopard yeah. print speedo, I think, and uh, she's she's got that in her closet. So who knows what else she's hiding in there? Oh my gosh, that's the yeah. This is the that's the kind of thing that weirds me out about tree trunks. Uh, but she opens it and says like, "I'll prove it to you." There's no apples in here, and you know, classic. She opens it up; it's full of apples. They just come tumbling out on top of her, and she is confused and distraught. But more than anything, she is sad because she says, "Well, then this only can mean one thing that." That Tree Trunks herself stole the apples, and that she must be punished. And that is a very different attitude from what we saw from Jake. Exactly. Yeah. That, uh, because Finn and Jake are like, that's preposterous. Like, either there's no way you stole your own apples. Like, that's not even a crime, first of all. But also, you don't even remember putting them in there. So it wasn't you. But Tree Trunks is 
has decided and she calls the gendarme or she calls the local authorities basically and just says, I've done a terrible thing. I need you to come and take me away. Uh, yeah, very melodramatic. The banana guards. The banana guards. And so they show up sort of confused, but like doing their job, I suppose. And Tree Trunks sort of somberly walks over to get handcuffed. And just as they're about to take her away, someone, I can't remember who says it now, that, that like triggers it for Finn. Someone says a phrase that um, makes all the clues fall into place for oh, him. Oh, yeah. The uh, the banana guard looks up and sees all these birds and says, man, this place really needs a scarecrow. Yeah. And that triggers a, uh, a, mental, a mental flash for Finn. And he puts it all together. He's, he puts together, you know, that there was no, there's no footprints under the apple trees. They found Raggedy Princess in the ditch. He puts two and two together that the the apples have been stolen by birds, that they were stolen by birds, and that the that the birds were bringing apples back to their nest. The nest, which is on top of Tree Trunks' home, her chimney, uh, the, the apples fall down the chimney, and there's a hole, and that somehow they end up in the closet. And all of that comes together, and it, he, he solves the whole thing. And the reason that they have been more aggressive lately is because Raggedy Princess wasn't sitting up on the fence, sort of acting like a scarecrow to scare him away. Right. She's still in that hole where they left her. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> may did, be Raggedy man. Princess's... F- that may be her fate. I, I mean, I don't know like what her life was like before. I mean, she was first she was on a fence, now she's in a hole. It's not a huge difference as far as I can tell. <laughs> well, when she was on the fence, she had a purpose. She was a scarecrow. But was she like that was that was unclear to me was like is was it her job or was it just like she hangs out on a fence and sort of yeah I don't know that's a good question de facto is a scarecrow but it's not like that's not like her desire or purpose in life I couldn't tell right she was useful though yeah and I suppose like she doesn't have didn't seem to be able to like move in any significant way so I suppose like. At least when you're up on the fence, the view changes a little bit every once in a while. When you're in a hole, nothing changes. Right. Um, anyway, as Finn solves the whole thing, then thereby exonerating Tree Trunks. Um, Tree Trunks is overjoyed. She She's so happy that he solved it. She's so happy, in fact, that she's going to make them some juicy, delicious apple pies to celebrate. <laughs> and at which point she just rips the handcuffs off of herself like like yeah, strong strong man style legs and breaks the chain yeah strong man style um which kind of i think one of the banana guards just goes whoa <laughs> and right uh they and she heads on in like the at this point the show is basically over with and tree trunks give one gives one final uh, weird, weird send off for the whole episode. She looks at the banana guard and says, "You two better stick around too if you want some apple pie." And like slaps one of them on the rump <laughs> with her tr- with her trunk, and and the one just uh-huh. goes, "She slapped me on my butt," and the other one just gives him a big thumbs up, and that's the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's a weird episode. It's uh, there's a Very lot of disca- there's a lot of discussions, um, mostly silly about um attitudes towards crime jake taking a very lax attitude toward toward it and tree trunks taking a very hard line stance 
on on crime. Yeah, even against herself. Yeah, all crimes must so, be punished. So uh, are you are you looking forward to the possibility that we may uh, get some some more background on Jake with regard to his previous criminal life? I think they make for fun. Those could be for fun, some fun, uh, fun side episodes for sure. Yeah, yeah, that could be good. Like mm-hmm. Jake as a criminal, uh, he's got all the skills for it. He certainly does. But now he's using them for good. Yeah, so good using magic powers is it's, it's a classic. Uh, with great power comes great. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get sued by Marvel, <laughs> whatever. But um, it's good that he's on fighting on the side of good now. And who knows? Maybe it was Finn that saved him, you know, brought him back from yeah, the darkness. Who knows? Who knows? But um, I think we could probably talk about our next episode, which sort of dwells in darkness. Yeah. The next episode is very creepy and is aptly titled The Creeps. Very much. Uh, this whole episode... If you've seen the movie Clue, you've seen this episode. Essentially, it is a, a it's a it's a whole bit where Jake and Finn are. We meet them on their way up, walking up a very scary pathway in a thunderstorm to a very creepy castle, and both of them are dressed um, in very formal attire, tuxes and tails, and they are heading up and following an invitation that they've received from an. In- uh, an anonymous host inviting them to a party at a castle on top of a mountain. In a thunderstorm. In a thunderstorm. Bum, bum, bum. And they arrive. They find a box labeled to them on the front porch. And they open it up and are very delighted to find that inside are masks, sort of masquerade style masks and uh, alternate personas that they should adopt during their time at the house, at the manor. Um, which again, if you've seen Clue, this is it. This is the setup. Mr. Body has invited a bunch of people there under to use aliases during a very scary thunderstorm. Um, have you seen the movie Clue? You have to. Yeah. Have. If, you had, if you had Comedy Central during the 90s, yeah. you had to have seen Clue. Yes, I think I, I haven't watched it recently. I don't remember it all that well. I know Timothy Curry is in it, so it's got to be good. Uh, but yeah, it's been a minute. Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. It's got Marvin, I want to say his name's Marvin Mudd, but I don't think it's Marvin Mudd. It's going to come to me later. Uh, Great cast, slapstick comedy the whole way through. Totally recommend seeing Clue to anyone who who enjoys that style of movie. And I co-sign because I trust Ben. Yeah, right? That's what this show's about is like recommending things to friends and forcing them to watch them. Um, That's what this show is. (laughs) Um, Yeah. so the the where we left off, they are back. They are at the house. They have found their personas, and when they enter, a few of their friends are there as well. Princess Bubblegum's there, um, Lumpy Space Princess, Cinnamon Bun, and Bimo are there as well. But they all must use different names, and the names are fantastic. Um, yeah, they are. So if I if I try to remember them all, Princess Bubblegum, I believe, is Lady Quiet Bottom. That sounds right. Lumpy Space Princess is, uh, it's also butt related. I can't remember now. Like Thunderbuns, I think is the last name perhaps. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember either actually. Uh, Bemo, I actually don't remember now. Bemo, I've forgotten. Cinnamon Bun is dopey and just goes, I'm Cinnamon Bun. 
And then uh, Lumpy Space Princess slaps him upside the head and says, no, what's on the card? And I think his name is his name is like Farts Quietly or something like that. Yeah. Or like, I think it's Dr. Farts. Yeah. It's just like total, total, uh, total stupid body humor. Finn's name is Prince Hotbod. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jake's is... Uh, <laughs> Randy Nubbins, I think. <laughs> Jake is not pleased with his name. Jake, Jake just says like Randy Nubbins and tosses the card <laughs> over his shoulder. Uh, and so um, the, the the party is is there and they all sort of talk a little bit. They reveal that no one knows why they're there. No one knows the host, which is a little weird. They also talk to Princess Bubblegum, uh, sorry, not Princess Bubblegum, um, Lumpy Space Princess, and ask why her boyfriend Brad is not there. And she uh, gets very defensive and says that she and Brad broke up like forever ago. Why was they even ask about that? Um, yeah. Clearly, clearly something something about that question set her off a bit. Um, well, but then her her story about why she broke up with Brad, did she tell that a little later on, I think? Yeah, she tells that in like the uh, the long table room. But yeah, we can we can talk about it now. I would say yeah, that's sort of the B plot of this whole episode is like yeah. slowly learning why slowly learning why Lumpy Sprace Princess and Brad broke up because um, it's like revealed in like these emotional outbursts from time to time right. by Lumpy Space Princess, and it is it was it added so much depth to Lumpy Space Princess like they. I know. Well, well, what they did is they like really dove into she's always been like a caricature of a teenager basically. Yeah. But but they they went deeper than surface level of like teenage psyche um in a really really powerful way on this one. Uh so throughout the episode she is avoiding questions about Brad. There's this huge build up and setup and finally like out of nowhere she sort of has this emotional outburst that says like fine, you want to know he kissed me. He kissed me on the mouth and I didn't know what to do. And I, I just pushed him away and he said, you're not ready for me. And what does that mean? What does that mean guys? Yeah. Like so vulnerable just, and like so much like right on the nose of just like teenage sexuality and understand, like not understanding yourself and like being unable to express that in any sort of like coherent way and how that can lead to misunderstandings in relationships and all of that, just like all wrapped up in this sort of bit about just like Lumpy Space Princess and her boyfriend, Brad. And it is like, yeah, I was like, where did that come from? Like, that was, that was crazy. It's like toxic teenage masculinity as well with Brad, like, you know, oh, well, I'm going to break up with you because you're not ready for me. I mean, that's pretty classic, like, you know, teenage boy or even older, sometimes toxic men, uh, you know, putting pressure on the on the girl to put out or whatever. And then uh, the guy sort of uses the relationship as a justification uh, to go beyond where uh, Lumpy Space Princess in this case wants to go. And so then they they break up. Yeah, and it's unclear, like, was Brad older? How much older? I mean, they, that doesn't get discussed and is is not really mitigating, but is it might be interesting to learn. Uh, yeah. But certainly, yeah, like, they 
But the way it's just delivered, it's so raw. It's just this raw emotional outburst that could come from any young person, frankly. Like, it was just like a... It's the first time that they used Lumpy Space Princess's, like, basis on teenage teenage angst and and sort of uh, emotional roller coaster that is being a teenager. Uh, it's the first time they've used it to, like, really delve into something any more any with any more depth than just like popular like wanting to be popular basically yeah she's been mostly just awful as a teenager like a, a caricature of an awful teenager so far but this really makes her vulnerable as a teenager right yeah um i think the only yeah like i mean in the in the episode where she's the monster um there's a bit of like you know, you you do get that sense of like, well, like the classic like teenager running away from home and then like realizing mm-hmm. how good they had it where they were, like that's sort of a classic trope as well. But this is this was this was different. It was good. It was a really well done little bonus to this episode. But the rest of the episode is a whodunit mystery novel, another mystery. Um, yeah. But the premise being the premise being that the host is a ghost, and at least that's what they learn through like. A mysterious envelope they find taped to cinnamon buns back um <laughs> that there, there's a ghost that is in the house and the ghost is not been is not is is malevolent it's a malevolent spirit that wants to possess one of them and kill the rest and that freaks everybody out cinnamon bun tries to escape yeah, that's scary but apparently yeah cinnamon bun tries to escape but apparently that the door has been booby trapped in a way that when he tries to escape, he's electrocuted and is killed and his skeleton is left behind. And then they go into a cl- Then they do like they pair off to try to find right. some candles or, or to find some clues. Uh, BMO and Jake head to the basement and BMO drops a little bit of like sort of solid knowledge on Jake too. Seriously. I thought that like this scene was really good. Yeah. When bad things happen, I know you want to pretend, I know you want to believe they are a joke, but sometimes life is scary and dark. That's why we must find the light. Bemo. Bemo's the best. Just dropping dropping knowledge. Dropping knowledge on Jake. And then he finds a light. He finds uh like a little glow stick. Uh, which is great up until the point where a ghost takes Bemo and disappears with him. And Jake freaks out, runs upstairs collects everybody again and now now things are looking now they they all start point there's a whole series of like pointing figures at each other because again the the phantom must be inside one of them possessing the other one so it's hard you can't trust anybody they do some testing of like who would know i'm gonna ask you a question that only the real jake would know finn uh finn gets a little bit of his heart broken when he does that to princess bubblegum because he he says, like, what did I write on your birthday card two yeah. years ago, word for word? And Princess Bubblegum goes, goes, there's no way I would remember that. Finn. Right. And Finn just goes, I remember. Yeah, like, he starts to blush like, and then he pulls his mask voice back crack. down. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> but in that moment, um, the the ghost comes back and uh, passes right through Princess Bubblegum and melts her right in front of him. Very and terrifying. at that point, Finn says... Very terrifying. And Finn says, that wasn't supposed to happen. And then Jake says, aha, I knew it. You were pranking me this whole time. It was like, and it kind of harkens back to the the pranks that Jake had put on Finn for his birthday on the train episode. Right. 
um, where he fake killed people. And Finn finally, you know, drops to it and says, yeah, fine, I was. I was pranking you. But I didn't plan this. I didn't plan on Princess Bubblegum dying. That's real. And he, then he's like, oh, man, like, Bimo and Simon Bun, they're hiding in the closet. I got to go find them. And he opens up the closet. Both of them, uh, Cinnamon Bun has been melted. Bimo has been ripped apart. And Finn freaks out because none of this was part of the plan. Jake freaks out. And then the last thing is that Lumpy Space Princess is taken by the ghost and is placed inside of a painting. Oh, man. Uh, very creepy. So did you read or watch The Witches? No, I, doll? I did not. Okay. So it's it's a legitimately scary book and movie. And there's a, a scene that always, you know, I read it way back when, when I was eight years old or whatever. But this scene has stuck with me through my entire life where... The little the protagonist uh, has a grandma who knows about witches, and she tells him the story. I think uh, of a little girl who, like, followed a witch home or something like that. wasn't careful enough around a witch, and then the witch put her in a painting, and her parents had to like see her in that painting every day until eventually she just like faded away. And that really terrified me uh, when I was young. And then. Um, Angelica Houston's portrayal of like the queen witch is also great in the movie. And I found that very scary. Uh, and so when, when LSP gets pulled into the, uh, the painting here, it, it's a little bit of a little bit of a callback to a scary thing for me. Oh, a little trigger warning for Pat. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh, interest. Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know if anyone's also have read the witches out there, uh, be careful watching this episode then. Um, it's creepy though. Yeah. Getting trapped in a painting. Like, although she is running with what look like some, some dogs or foxes. So maybe she's back with her, her wolf family. Perhaps. Uh, but she, we know that she'll probably just try to cause, uh, inter, interpack strife and end up getting cast out again anyway. Yep. But things are off the rails at this point. No one, Finn is freaking out. None of this was according to plan. Uh, Jake says to run up the stairs. So they run. And Finn ends up in uh, a room alone, and a giant green spirit woman looks female because of sort of like it looks sort of like a long flowing hair kind of thing. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah, uh, sort of banshee like sort of giving giving it a yeah giving it a gender. But yeah, banshee like very intent on killing him, and the house starts sort of like ripping apart at the seams and chomping at him and things yeah, like that birds in a in a painting come flying out of the painting oh man like if we're talking about triggers yeah like, no kidding that would be just terrible i hate birds i hate them so much and if a <laughs> painting of birds came to life and flew at my face oh my god i would have been done like finn keeps moving but at that point in my in my experience of this episode i would have just frozen in just place in and pure died. shock and horror yep i just uh, i'm done that would be the thing, like, in Jumanji. If I were playing Jumanji, if there was some sort of bird-related thing, oh, yeah. that would have been the end of me. <laughs> the, but Finn managed to get up to, like, an observatory level of this big giant manor house with, like, a big glass window on the glass ceiling. Um, and the ghost is coming at him. But at the very last minute, guess what? It's revealed that it wasn't a ghost at all. It was Jake riding on Lady Rainicorn wearing a sheet. And it was it was a reverse prank. Finn Jake had found out that Finn's plan was to prank him, and so Jake flipped the script. Yep, and uh, planned a whole reverse prank on him. Pranked the pranker, 
and Lady Rainicorn was in on it. And we learned that Lady Rainicorn has some ability to phase people in and out of her body. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, LSP is in, is like sort of half stuck in Lady Rainicorn. And she delivers this line. Like she's not paying attention to any of them. And she's sort of like half in Lady Rainicorn. And then she just goes like, I'm ready for you now, Brad. I'm so ready. <laughs> like, like this experience has changed her in some way. Right. But the uh, but Jake's you know gloating and gloating, and then finally Finn's like, "Oh man, you got me!" And like, and the house ex- exploding, and and like the birds flying, and that giant ghost down there. And Jake's like, "What? No, that wasn't. You just have been. You must have been too scared and like just imagined that part. Let's get out of here." So they all fly away on Lady Rainicorn, and the episode ends with Finn recalling this spirit that he saw, and he goes, "That one's going in the vault," and it's gone. Like he, and that's where the episode ends. And I thought that was really funny. I think it's really funny that like he's that Finn has this like part of his brain where he just locks away scary things. Like, yeah. So I was kind of I was kind of thinking about this, and you know. Growing up, like, well, who knows how Finn grew up, really? Um, we don't we don't have much information about that. But living in the land of Ooh as what appears to be the only human, uh, constantly like battling, you know, monsters and things that that really could, I think, build up a serious amount of trauma in the mind of a boy. And I think that it's probably not the healthiest way to cope, to just lock the trauma away, but it seems to be working for Finn right now anyway. Sure, it's a very fine temporary solution, and who knows if that'll all come spilling out later. But yeah, he basically just, he he sort of like, uh, it reminded me of like Benedict Cumberbatch's portrayal of Sherlock Holmes, and it's got like a mind palace where he can like recall... Right all these different facts like Finn's kind of got like a reverse version of that where he's got like a mind vault where he can just lock a thing away never to be recalled again hopefully yeah I worry about him but he seems fine yeah uh both of these episodes as as a whole I mean both very they were mystery oriented I'm a big mystery fan I love Agatha Christie books um Sherlock Holmes things like that. that yeah oh I think I've read every Every Agatha Christie book that features Hercule Poirot, uh, I think I've read all of them. Mm-hmm. I've read all the Sherlock Holmes books. I'm, wow. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a big mystery guy. So this appealed to me, and I've so I thought these were fun, some solid jokes. Yeah, I think I mean they were just like nice little fluffy episodes. Yes, I uh, wasn't blown away by them, but I, I had a similar reaction. Just. They were fun. They were they were funny and fun and legit creepy for a minute. And the creeps, I think, uh, Finn was very rightly terrified of that house. No one, no one wants to be in that house. So yeah, I would say like, you know, they they in the mixtape that is this episode. You know, you gotta you gotta go high and then you gotta we gotta bring it back a little bit so you can build it up again. So they were they got they hit some pretty high notes with the two previous episodes that we watched um, featuring. The musical uh, editions of uh, Rebecca Sugar. Is that did I recall that right? Is it Rebecca or Rachel? Yes, Rebecca. that's correct. Um, and yep. so those were high notes. These were like, you know, they pulled it back a little bit. Nothing weren't bad. They weren't great. Just sort of like got to take. Can't can't have every episode be a be a peak. So, uh, yeah. fine a fine couple episodes. I think is what we have 
thoroughly established at this point. Yes, I I agree. Well, I think that uh, will about do it. We've got uh, some pretty clear verdicts on the episodes. They were fine, and uh, we can get excited for uh, next time's two episodes. Um, well, hey, you know, I've got a little bit of news oh. because we got our first ever tip in the tip jar, which is not something I've ever talked about. But if you look in our episode descriptions, there is a link there to our tip jar on Pinecast, which is where we host the show. And uh, if you want to, you know, toss us a couple bucks, my <laughs> so far only tip has come from my mom. So thank you, mom, very much. We greatly appreciate it. Uh-huh. But if anybody wants to throw us a couple bucks, of course, we won't say no. Mom, if you ever get to this episode... Just know that Pat's mom tipped us, uh, I have to assume, seven years ago. <laughs> but we're still open for business, no matter what, what year it is when you listen to this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was going to say, get, tip us or don't, um, or do. I'll leave it on the positive one. Uh, but if uh, if you want to get a hold of us on social media, we do have lots of other ways to get a hold of us as well. If you want to if you want to respond to us in a non-monetary fashion, we, we love that too. So we're on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we have an email address. All of those things are uh, totally ways you can get in touch with us. Yeah, it's mostly just Podventure Time everywhere. Podventure Time at Gmail, at Podventure Time on Twitter. The uh, Facebook page is called Podventure Time. And there's a Facebook group called the Treehouse Treasure Room. So you can get at us in all those various ways, whichever you prefer. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I think we threw out a few questions for the listeners in this episode. Did you have a creepy Easter bunny come to your house? Um, I don't remember what the other ones are, but... Uh, oh, have you have you seen The Witches, seen Clue? Yeah, holler at us whenever you can. We uh, we love to hear from you, and that uh, keeps us a little entertained in between recording episodes. So until I think it's time to record our next episode, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. I'm going to sass those boys up nasty. Nasty.